Well, again, we're so glad that you're with us here this morning. Um, as you can see, it's Palm Sunday, this day we celebrate the triumphal entrance of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Have you ever had one of those weeks that's just a fantastic week? It's just a great week. I mean, it was a great You had a week like that? You get to, you get to Friday and you're going, yes, that was a great week. You had weeks like that? Lately? Huh? All right. Have you ever had one of those weeks like that? And then somewhere, but somewhere in the middle, there's a little bit of a bump. And you're really not sure how that's going to look. But it turns out to be a great week anyhow. You had those? You had weeks with bumps in the middle of them? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about a bump this week. Actually, I'm going to open in prayer. I, I have to be honest with you. I have, uh, I have 11 pages of notes. I generally make it through about six if I read them. Um, I left about 30 pages on my computer because I just... So God, I just ask that you'd get my head out of the way this morning. God, I want to preach five sermons. And so I just ask God you to, to lead me and guide me. And I pray that your word would come through boldly this morning. And that we would be touched not by what I say, but by what your spirit says to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Palm Sunday begins the last week. It's hard to even say this. It's like the last week of Jesus' physical earthly ministry, and yet he ministers to us weekly, right? I mean, it was the last week that he was here in bodily form, but he's coming back. <laughs> he's coming back. We can get excited about that. I'm not sure which. See, this is why I don't know which sermon to preach, because he's coming back. It's going to be good. You want to talk about a fantastic week some 2,000 years ago. This, we're celebrating the beginning of the most, the most fantastic week in the history of humanity. You realize that the cross, and more so the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the fulcrum of all history. It's, it's the tipping point. I, I was working on putting the cross up this week, and so I had this music stand sitting down here. And I kept walking by and putting stuff on the music stand. I put the screwdriver there, and then I put the hammer there, and then I put... And finally, I tossed a handful of screws. It's just a handful of screws. That's all it was. What does a handful of screws weigh? A quarter of an ounce? But when I tossed that last handful of screws out here, it was the fulcrum. I didn't know it. I didn't know I was getting that close. But all of a sudden, I tossed just a couple of screws and nuts and bolts and washers and drills and drill bits and, and this whole area. There's 50 things to pick up because one little screw tipped it. It tipped it. It tipped it. Jesus wasn't just one little thing, but his resurrection turned the tide of all eternity. All eternity. All eternity. We got to get a hold of that. We got to get a hold of that. In our head, we have to get a hold of that. Everything about this world changed Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago because it was the beginning of that week. There were parades. See, here's why I'm so confused. I start on page five. That's why I get confused about these things. It's like, why? this doesn't look like my notes. I'm on page five. That's why. 
every year we talk about Palm Sunday and we talk about Easter and we talk about Good Friday. But it's the reality of what took place that I want us to get a hold of today. In case you're not familiar with Palm Sunday, I realize some folks online are joining us and some people maybe here don't really know what it, what's all about. Some 2,000 years ago, the Jewish nation Israel was, was celebrating. They weren't celebrating Palm Sunday and they weren't celebrating Easter. They were celebrating Passover. There was something that happened some 4,000 years before that. God's people were in captivity and God wanted to set them free and he told them that what they needed to do was he sent Moses, and Moses said, set my people free, and Pharaoh said, no. And he said, set my people free, and Pharaoh said, no. And he said, set my people free, and Pharaoh said, no. If you haven't watched the Ten Commandments, go ahead and watch the Ten Commandments, or Ben-Hur, or something like that, and you'll, you'll get caught up on it. Or you could actually just open up the book, and you could read, because it's in there. And so finally, Moses goes before the Pharaoh, and he said, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send, God is going to send a death angel. And that death angel is going to wipe out the firstborn male of every household. And he went back to the children of Israel then. They were in captivity. And he told them, God's going to send a death angel. And the way that you can prevent that is you can do this sacrifice. You can sacrifice a lamb. And then you take a hyssop branch and you dip that branch in that blood. And I want you to put blood on the top of your lintel of your door and then I want you to put it on your doorposts. Now they didn't know what they were doing. What they did was they made a cross in front of their door. And when they did that, that night, the angel of the Lord came through Egypt and he killed the firstborn male of every family all throughout Egypt but also throughout the captives. Israel, if they didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and on the lintel, the death angel, God did what he said he was going to do, right? You've heard that story? That's not a story. That's an account. That's real. That happened. And what, what Israel was celebrating 2,000 years ago in Jesus' day, they were celebrating that Passover, that God actually passed over their house. The death angel passed over their house, didn't come near their house, didn't take their firstborn sons. How many of you have a firstborn son? You think there'd be a, keep them up, just keep them up. You think there'd be a celebration in your household if every firstborn son in town died but yours? I'd have a party, man. I'm going to celebrate that's a big deal. That's such a celebration. They remember it. They remember it. They remember it year after year after year after year. Here we are some 6,000 years later, and Israel still celebrates the Passover. Well, in Jesus' day, they had no idea what was taking place, what was going on. Jesus had been hanging around at this point for about three years. God brought him on the scene. And we see that it, this week starts out with Jesus and this, this parade, if you will. He came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And it was so confusing. You see, 
Every time Jesus healed somebody, he did a miracle. He'd, he'd heal somebody or he'd set them free from a demon or, or he'd do some kind of a miracle. People were all amped up about that. They wanted to worship him. I can't believe you did it. It's so amazing. And he'd stop them. Every time he'd stop them. Stop, stop, stop. My time, he would say, my time has not come yet. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know, but he kept saying it. My time has not come yet. And so he wouldn't allow people to worship him. And here we are, the week of Passover. And Jesus is riding in town, tells his two disciples, he says, I need you to go in. I know, if you're trying to follow my notes, don't. I need you to go into town, and there's a, you're going to come to this place where there's a donkey. There's a young donkey. And what I want you to do is I want you to go and get that donkey and bring it back for me. Okay, put yourself in their spot. My two, my two minions, my two followers here. Okay, boys, I want you to go to Vergus. All right, when you get to Vergus, you're going to find outside of Billy's. You remember where the old Billy's was. Okay, outside of Billy's, there's going to find a donkey. I just want you to bring me that donkey, okay? And you go, well, what are we going to do if someone says no? Just tell them that I need it, okay? So they head out. They go strolling down to Billy's, and they grab the donkey. Maybe what I should have said was go get me a Harley outside of Billy's because that might be... <laughs> More one that's never been ridden, right? It's a young one, so I guess it's probably a Honda outside of Billy's. That's never. Sorry. Anyhow, um, they go, and as they're taking this donkey away, somebody comes up. Hey, 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 hey! Where are you going with the donkey? The master has need of it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, there's a prophecy that was given by Zechariah. Zechariah was an Old Testament prophet. Zechariah chapter 9, starting in verse 9, says, Rejoice, daughter, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, the colt of a fool. This is a, this is a, colt of a donkey that's never been ridden you've seen movies you know how that's supposed to look woo 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 nope not with a master on him no bucking no kicking he's riding this foal of a donkey I will take get this I will take the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken and he will proclaim, proclaim peace to the nations his rule will extend from sea to sea Zechariah said, there is one coming who's going to come into Jerusalem. When he does, he's going to be riding on the, the colt of a donkey. And he's going to bring righteousness. And he's going to bring justice. And he's going to bring peace. And, and, and his government, his rule is never going to see an end. This is a big day. This is a big day because Israel at this point in history they're under Roman occupation. They're under Roman occupation. Think about that. They're under Roman occupation. That means they live in their country. They can do whatever they want, kind of, but somebody is ruling over them. Like we can do anything we want, but Canada's in charge. Right? We can do anything we want, but Germany's in charge. We can do anything we want, but Rome is in charge. Any, we can do whatever we want, kind of. And because this is their, their Independence Day, because this is their great big celebration, everybody gathers together. You can imagine the city of Jerusalem. It is, it's 
overflowing with people. Uh, uh, theology, uh, theologians uh, predict, uh, assume, they gathered, they, they believed there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 Jews. No, 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 no. 600,000 Jews. Sorry, got the wrong number. I, I don't, I'm not using my notes. 600 to half a million plus people are there to celebrate Passover. And because of that, because we have all these Jews, these peasants, because we have all these, these people who are servants of Rome, Rome's nervous. And so what Rome has to do is they send in a guard. They send in a contingent. So on one side of town, in comes Jesus riding on a donkey. And people are just so excited. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. On the other side of town, Rome also is sending in. So you have the east side and the west side. Rome is also sending in a parade, only they're not sending in a parade of anybody on a donkey. Right? There, there are, there, there are, there's legions, there, there's, there's the governors there and, and the governor. When I talk about governor, I'm talking about like someone who's in charge of a quarter of the nation. He, he was a tetriarch. He, he was, there's this, this governor, so he's there and Pilate's there and they've got all these soldiers and a pomp and a circumstance and they've got, they've got horses and they've got chariots and when they come in, you're hearing the boom, boom, boom. Everybody's marching in, in cadence. This big, massive army and people are standing there. Some are, some are in awe, some are, some are terrified. Some, you can only imagine what some of these Jews who were in under this captivity, what they might have thought of this, this legion of, of men coming in just to make sure that nothing happens. Because if anything happens, if all these Jews all of a sudden, there's 600,000 of them, if they all decide to rise up at some time, there's no way they're going to be able to contain this. And so they bring in all this military might. And on the other side of town is Jesus coming in on this little donkey. And when he comes in, it's the very first time that he's allowed anybody to worship him. People are just so overwhelmed. I want you to just think about who might have been in the crowd. You know, we think about a parade where we go downtown and, you know, we, we see ABC Church and we see this sign company and we see this business and they're throwing out Tootsie Rolls and they're throwing out lollipops and, and you know, somebody's coming with a squirt gun and they're spraying it. That's not what we're talking about here. You realize the week before this parade, Lazarus had been dead for four days. <laughs> and Jesus... Shut my microphone off for a second. Jesus stood at the entrance of his grave and he said, week before. You think Lazarus might have been there? What about Mary and Martha, some of their friends, some of their buddies? You think maybe they were there? Just shortly before this, there's a guy who's sitting at a gate completely paralyzed been sitting at the gate beautiful for 38 years, begging, alms, 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 if you could help me out. Anybody got a buck? If you could help me out, I'd appreciate it. And Jesus said, you, you want to be healed? Yeah, I want to be healed. All right, pick up your mat and walk. Ah! 38 years, and everybody knew it. He was there, I, I guess, I, I suspect. I think he was there. He might have been there. He was in town. 
What about the four guys whose buddy was so lame and Jesus is having this, this, this little housewarming party for somebody and he's preaching and they're like, we got to get our, if we could just get our friend there, we know that Jesus would heal him. So they get whistling, they get up on the roof and they start tearing the roof of this house open. One of my favorite stories, I don't care. Rip the house, rip. they took the roof, they opened her up. Let's lower Johnny down. We think God's going to heal him, and he does. Do you think people had a reason to get excited? I don't think this was just a little party. I don't think this was just a, I'm look, throw me some Tootsie Rolls, throw me some Tootsie Rolls. I don't think that's what it was. I think people for the first time in their lives, man, they were worshiping to the point that they'd take off their coat, they'd throw it because they don't want the donkey to have to walk on dirt. They don't want their savior to have to even come. They don't want his ride to be touching the ground. They're, they're grabbing palm branches and they're ripping palm branches off. And on the other side of town is all this pomp and circumstance, but there's no worship. These people are worshiping. They're worshiping. They're captivated by who he is because he's been, he's been speaking into their lives. He's been touching them. He's been healing. There were, there were 10 lepers who came to Jesus and he healed all 10 of them. I don't know, but I'm kind of wondering if a couple of them weren't there. There were people that he, he touched. They were all in Israel. Why wouldn't they be there? We, we understand that this road from, this road where this took place is from the, through the Kidron Valley. The parade started at the Mount of Olives it was, probably five or six miles. This section where this, this parade was actually going on is somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, under a mile. So we've got the world really on one side with all the pomp and circumstance and look at me, I'm the boss. Look at me, I'm the king. You want to do it? You're going to do it my way. We're going to make sure that you do this like I tell you to do it. It's going to be done my way because I'm the boss, I'm in charge. Anybody ever try and run your life that way? How's that work for you? Yeah, we're going to do it my way. It's the world system. And on the other side, we've got Jesus who comes in. It's lowly. He's riding a donkey. This is the creator of the universe, folks. He was there in the beginning. Nothing in the beginning was done. Nothing was done without him. And he comes riding in on a donkey. He probably came up with the, with the blueprint for it. You know, he spoke and these things happened. The Bible says he could have called a legion of angels, could have called 10,000 angels to take him off the cross at any point, but he chose not to. So here he is, he's riding into town and people are worshiping him. And what we find is that through all of the, the hype, all of the, I don't even want to call it hype because I think it's real worship. I think it was bona fide worship. I don't think people were just getting excited about nothing. This is the creators. Save us, save us, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna. Save us, deliver us, set us free. And Jesus comes and he is opening a door, but they don't get it. They just don't get it. They, they're in their mind. And even, I believe, even his disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were all probably in this crowd, Peter. They're all with him, and they, they're getting wrapped up in the excitement of this worship, and it's, and it's good, and it's fine, but they don't understand that he's not opening a physical door to overcome Rome. You see, Rome wasn't the problem. 
Rome wasn't the problem. Your boss isn't the problem. Your wife isn't the problem. Your kids aren't the problem. Sin is the problem. Sin is the problem. The fact that, that Adam and Eve gave the whole earth away, sin is the problem. And that hasn't changed from that day until this. Jesus came riding in and he, and he had expressed love and compassion and peace. He reached out, he, he moved, he was moved, the Bible says over and over again, he was moved with compassion. And they don't get it. And I, and I, I can't even criticize them because I, I think to myself, how many times, how many times don't I get it? How many times am I see a situation and go, oh, that's one. Oh, man. Alan, you can't believe what Alan did. And I don't want to talk about these guys. We get that attitude, that worldly thing going inside of us, and we judge the book by the cover. And yet what Jesus was doing was he was opening a door into a spiritual kingdom that would give us life and hope and peace and joy beyond anything we could ever measure. Beyond anything we can measure, there's coming a day, the Bible says, when there's not going to be any more tears, when there's not going to be any more sorrow, when there's not going to be any more grief. Can you imagine? There's coming a day where there's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be any more heat. He, he, we're not even going to need healing. I burned myself yesterday. I was... You just got to love me for who I am. I'm sorry. People are like, of course he burned himself yesterday. He does these things. I was cleaning the wood stove. And you would think when you're cleaning the wood stove, you'd know that everything coming out of the wood stove is? Okay, you, you all know that. Uh, so I'm cleaning out the ashes and I hear this thunk down into the pail. And what it was was a fire brick from the side of my wood stove. And I reached down and I grabbed that fire brick. Fire brick. Say that with me. Fire brick. This is hot. I mean, this is hot. It burned my finger through my glove so badly that it didn't even blister. It doesn't even really hurt today. That's how deep it burned. But it hurt yesterday. Oh, ah, ah, God, I found water, ice, do something, cover it. There's coming a day when that won't touch us at all. If you've been born again, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, if there's been a spiritual awakening in you due to the, the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will not experience death, sickness, illness, disease, destruction, none of that. And that started on Palm Sunday when everybody was worshiping. And they saw that. You see, they saw the kingdom of God among them. They saw Jesus doing miracles. They saw him healing. They saw him walk on water. And it wasn't frozen. Because there was a boat going across the lake. He was walking on water. A few days later, they saw him walking through walls. Well, how do you see somebody walk through a wall? There he is. I've tried that a few times. I've got some scars. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a day. Jesus introduced this kingdom. And some of the greatest teachings that we see throughout scripture. Some of the most profound teachings that we see took place the week between that parade and the crucifixion. Of the 46 parables that Jesus taught, a third of them were preached that last week of his life. 
a third of them. He, he, and he spoke to people in that last week. He spoke to every group of society. If you look, he spoke to the religious leaders. When I say religious leaders, I'm not talking about you know, all the local pastors. What I'm talking about is people who tried so hard to do what was right by a set of rules without the spirit of Christ. And so what they would do is instead of just walking right, they would actually condemn somebody who wasn't walking right. They were religious. They followed religion. When Jesus came on the scene, they're like, we don't want anything to do with forgiveness. What we want is we want our religion, we want our rules, and then we're going to judge everybody by our rules instead of the grace of God, instead of the peace of God. You see, everything Jesus did, he did out of a heart of love. He did out of a heart of compassion. He was moved with compassion. We, we read in that following week, this is the week where he, he flipped over the, the, the tables of the money changers. This is where he wept over Jerusalem. And, and when our word wept is just so inadequate for what took place. Jesus went through the temple and he saw that, that the, the, the religious folks had set up this whole system based on, on God's word, but they set up this whole system where you can buy your way out of sin. What did, what did you sin this week? Okay, well, if you only did that, that's going to take two turtle doves. You can buy those from my son right over there. He's selling really, really good turtle doves. You did what? Oh, well, Swans, he's selling donkeys over here. You, might, or, uh, he, you know, he's, he's selling sheep over here. You may need to get a really good sheep. And, and it's all about the money, and it's all about the money. And Jesus comes in, and he flips his table over. And when the Bible says he wept, what it really means was that he was racked was that he was just, he was, he was ruined. He was, it was like you're grieving at the side of the grave of a friend of yours, somebody that you've loved and you've known forever and you just can't take it. You, Jesus was, was just, Israel, Israel, my children, how I'd love to just gather you together. But they would have none of it. They would have none of it. Palm Sunday is the beginning of all of those phenomenal teachings. The teaching of the ten virgins the teaching, all of these things came in there. And they, they still didn't, didn't get it. And that last week was when Jesus brought in the whole uh, uh, tradition, the whole concept of communion, trying to explain to his followers what, what's going to happen, and they didn't understand it. You see, he was opening up, I want to be careful how I say this, but he was opening up the spirit realm. He was opening up things that happen spiritually. He's opening up the whole realm of angels and demons. He's opening up this, this place where there's stuff going on in the spirit around us. He, he's opening up change that can happen, not from the outside. You can get married 47 times if you want to. I don't care. We had a wedding here this past week. You can get married over and over and over again. If you don't change from the inside, you've got a problem. If you don't conform to what Scripture says, there's, there's, there's going to be a problem. We can come to the altar over and over and over again and say, Jesus, change me, change me, change me. But if you never let him change you on the inside, transformation from the inside, that's where this takes place. And Jesus was opening the door to that. You see, all of his followers, they saw the great miracles. They thought, man, he fed 5,000 people once. He fed 3,000. They're doing the math on that. He healed this guy. I saw that dude over there. He raised him from the dead three weeks ago. He's going to take over Rome today. 
I mean, he is, we're going to set up his kingdom and he's going to kick out. I'm glad all the military is here because they're all going to march out of town. He's going to take them over today. And yet that was not what Jesus did at all, right? He did something far more powerful. He didn't bother establishing an earthly kingdom at this point in time. He established a spiritual kingdom. He said, you know what? Instead of that, I'm going to give you peace that passes all understanding. Instead of that, I'm going to open up joy to you like you've never experienced it. Instead of that, Barry, you're going to feel forgiveness. Not only are you going to feel forgiveness, but you can dispense forgiveness to any preacher that takes you off or to any kid or to any child or to any, anybody. I don't care who it is. You get to be a dispenser. You get to go and share the love of Jesus Christ with people who've never seen it. You get to reach out. I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to make you into a new creation. You don't have to be the way that you were when you came in here, you can be different. Matter of fact, you can be born again and made completely new. Any of you ever want just a second chance? You ever screwed up and you go, man, I'd like a second chance. Man, I'd like a Jesus said, you got it. You got it. All you got to do is accept me. You got it. I want to open up a new realm to you. I want to open up a new place to you. I want to open up peace to you. You see, before that, there's no peace. Can you imagine a world where there's no peace, where there's no hope? The only hope you have is in your circumstances. The only peace you have in your family is the peace that you have because of who you married or how things are going. There's no joy beyond just your circumstances. You imagine living in that life? So I got to tell you something. You got neighbors all around you. That's still how they're living. I saw a, I saw a, a meme on Facebook. I think that's what they call it. Prison guard is standing here in front of the prison like this, and some inmate is walking in. And the guy over here looked at the prison guard and he said, how come you're still here? I thought the warden released everybody. And he said, they did. He did. They just don't know it. And the background said sin. How many of us walk in that? We, 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 we don't understand that spiritual kingdom that was set up. There's coming a day. There's going to come a day when Jesus is going to come back. And he's not just going to set up this this spiritual kingdom. There's coming a day, which we're reading through in the book of of Revelation. There's coming a day when he's going to come back and he's going to set up an earthly kingdom as well. And there's going to be no guesses. There's not going to be any questions. There's not going to be, well, was that right or wrong? There's not going to be any questions. There's coming a day. As a matter of fact, one of the parables that Jesus preached was about judgment coming to those who just grabbed hold of religion instead of grabbing hold of his righteousness. You see, we don't have to walk in religion anymore just about doing right and doing wrong. As a matter of fact, I can come in any time. I can come before the Father and I can say, you know, God, I know I messed up and I need you to forgive me. And the Bible says he is faithful and just and he will do that. That's the beginning of Palm Sunday. So we think about Palm Sunday and we think, well, you know, Got a few branches. That's kind of silly. Church probably wasted 70 bucks buying those. Could have done. If you don't have one, take one when you walk out. Because here's what I want you to understand. Those people recognized. They really recognized what Jesus did. 
They didn't get it all. But man, they got part of it. And I want us today to walk out of here and recognize what he really did. It's not just about setting up an earthly kingdom. It's not just about taking over Jerusalem or setting Jerusalem free from Rome. We're kind of stuck sometimes. Sometimes I think we, we get stuck in the in the, the parade like Jesus followers and we and we still don't we still kind of missed it. You see, here's the deal. Palm Sunday, like I said, is the it's the beginning of the most important week in all of history. But Jesus, he did not come to meet people's expect expectations. He did not come to meet your expectations. He came to meet your need. He didn't come just to do what you and I want him to do. He didn't come to meet the expectations that all these people, as a matter of fact, they were expecting him to conquer Rome. And that was so minute in comparison to what he really did. He did not come to fulfill your expectations. He came to fill your need. What you really have is a need for a savior. What you really have is a need for someone who can deliver you from the inside. Sure, you can put down the bottle for a while. You can quit smoking. I remember when I smoked, I could quit smoking for a couple weeks at a time and think I was doing okay. If I've got somebody who comes to me and says, you know, I was addicted, but now I'm free and I haven't had my drug of choice for two weeks. Isn't that great? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's great. But that is a drop in the bucket. You don't need someone who's just going to take the pills away. You need somebody who's going to change you on the inside and heal you so you don't need it anymore. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. There's this transformation that can happen in our lives. We don't have to be that same old person. That's what Jesus came to do, was he came to transform us. He came to change history. If you come back on Friday, we'll talk a little bit about what that looked like. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And just a few verses later he says, if this were the case, then we're to be pitied more than all. But we know from history, we know from the the account, uh, 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 Josephus was one of the the contemporaries of, of Jesus. He was living at the same time that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were writing their accounts. Tertullius was writing at the same time. These guys are saying, yeah, people saw Jesus. There were 500 people that saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. There are people that documented this, people who were not believers. And Jesus goes on and he speaks to religious leaders and he speaks to his followers and he speaks to those who are close to him and those who are far away from him. And he wants to let them know that there's something new that's coming. Like I said, in that week after the, after the triumphal entry, Jesus curses the fig tree. Maybe you've heard that one. He flipped over the tables, the, the money changers. He wept over Jerusalem. He... Uh, went on to do parable after parable after parable. He, he, he healed people. Jesus came and he set up a whole new kingdom. I want to read one of his parables that he spoke. He spoke in parables. He told his disciples at one point from this time on, that's all I'm going to speak in his parables. And I want you to understand them. I'll have to explain them to you. 
people around us, they're not quite going to get it. So this is a parable that comes out of Matthew 22. It's called the parable of the wedding banquet. Matthew 22, starting at verse 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Jesus has prepared a wedding banquet. In this case, the son represents Israel. So the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son and he sent out servants to those who had been invited to the banquet and told them to come, but they refused to come. He invited all of Israel, he invited Jews, come to this feast, come to this celebration. I have a son. We, we read that, that in, in marriage that uh, uh, it's the, the uh, physical marriage represents Christ and the church and so Jesus uh, Jesus tells this story. He's like, there's a, there's a son, and we, we want all you people to come to the banquet, and nobody would come. So he sent more servants. Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and the fatted cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention. Jesus, God throughout history, has sent prophets. He sent prophets. He sent prophets, and he told people, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And about the time Jesus came, John came on the scene, and there were other prophets saying, this is what's going to happen. Jesus is out preaching. He's like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bring you life. I'm going to bring it in abundance. I've got a feast for you. I've got a banquet. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on in. And Israel wouldn't come. Israel wouldn't come. They're like, no, we're looking for something else. We want a savior that comes in on a white stallion. He's coming. He's coming. We want a savior that's got a Humvee and he's got a tank. And it's like Jesus said, that's not the way I'm coming. If they'd understood the rest of the prophecies about him, they'd have got that. But they paid no attention. They went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. And the king was enraged and he sent his army and he destroyed those who murdered them and burned their city. And he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. It's still ready. And now I'm going to invite those that didn't deserve to come. Go into the streets and the corners and invite to the banquet anyone that you find. So the servants went out to the streets and they gathered all the people that they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. I know there are many of you in this room, myself included, many online, who would say, you know, I don't really deserve a place with God. You're right, you don't. Neither do I. The Bible says, in me there is no good thing. We don't, there's nothing. Israel rejected God. And because of that, it opened up a door for you and I and that door comes through Jesus Christ. It's a very simple process. It's about coming and recognizing that he's the king. He's the Lord. He's the one who can and will change your life. Make sure, make sure when you come in though, make sure when you come in that you leave your old clothes behind and you put on the new wedding clothes. Because here's what happens. If you bring in your old duds, he's going to kick you out. Don't come in and think, I'm going to accept this Jesus. I'm going to start doing this. But I'm going to keep running life my way. You're going to find yourself out. We don't get to run our lives our way anymore. We come in, we need to lay down our way. 
you'll read, you go ahead and read some of these parables. You'll see that at one point the king actually sees somebody in the wedding feast and they don't have on the wedding clothes. And they were thrown out. You know what that means? That means they're not walking in his righteousness. They're not walking. They're trying to do it on their own. They're trying to do it on their terms. I'm going to go, I want to come and be part of Jesus, but I'm just going to do this by following all the laws. Let me go back to wedding for just, to marriage for just a second. You can be in a marriage and, and you can do everything right. You can bring home the paycheck and, and bring home the bacon and she can cook it up in the pan and you can do all this and you can do all that. We can have kids and we can have a household and we can have a household that everybody's doing right and is still filled with hell, right? Because we haven't changed. We're not married in our hearts. We're still two separate people living in the same house. And guess where that marriage is going to end up? Not a marriage. You might even stay together, but there's so much dysfunction. It's just broken all around you. There's no hope. There's no love. There's no care. Jesus said, when you come into my banquet, you've got to change clothes. You've got to take off those old rags, put on my righteousness. That doesn't mean we won't slip up on occasion. I work in a garage all the time. I take good clothes and get them all full of grease all the time. But Jesus is faithful and just and he washes it away. He cleanses me again and again and again because I need that. Palm Sunday is about recognizing that Jesus doesn't come to just fill all of our expectations. He comes to meet your real need. He comes to get you right where you're at. He's not here to change out some kind of government. He's here to establish a new one, and it starts in our heart. It starts in our life. Look, folks, I don't care if the world around us goes to hell. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's going to. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. We can read about that in Timothy. You can read about what things are going to look like in the last days. It ain't going to be pretty. Does that mean Jesus isn't on the scene? No. That's not what that means at all. He's not only on the scene. He's in the middle of it. He's in the middle of it. And you and I, you and I get to bring life through that destruction that's around us. But when he comes and he sets up his eternal kingdom, when he comes and he sets up his throne here, you might say, well, that sounds crazy. Yes, it does. Crazy like a fox. Jesus outsmarted the devil way back at the the crucifixion. He'd been outsmarting him all along. I don't care what he thinks, what the enemy thinks is going to take us away. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. If you hang on, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You realize that. You don't have to do anything but hang on to Jesus. You don't even have to live your life perfect every day. All you got to do is hang on to him. And when you blow it, turn back to him. And when you blow it, turn back to him. And when you blow it, and the enemy's whispering in your ear and says, see, I told you you're no good. Admit it. Tell him he's right. I am no good, except for the blood of Jesus. Except for the blood of Jesus, I got nothing. By the way, my future is heaven. Yours is hell. Folks, we get to walk in that. Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped. And as I think about those people this week, think about the people. Think about the people that came to worship him. By the end of the week... By the end of the week, they were screaming for his life. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When you come on Friday, you know, 
Cheryl said, come as we celebrate. It's not really a celebration. You, you grieve. You, you, you get what, what he went through. See, when Jesus wept over Israel, I want you to understand, I don't believe for one minute that he was weeping because he had to be crucified. I don't think he was weeping because of that at all. I think he was weeping because the people were so lost and they didn't recognize. The Bible says that that light would pass and they wouldn't see the light. In the darkness, they wouldn't even see the light. Jesus came to meet your need. And this week, I would encourage you to read through the stories in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all record the account. Read through that that resurrection story. Read through the Good Friday account. Read through the account of his crucifixion. It should it should cause us to weep as well. I, I, I think when, when Jesus was broken for the people around him, I think that's an example for us. If our hearts are really broken for the people around us that are lost, sometimes I, I don't think we get that. I, I think we look at political news and we think, well, that guy's, you know, he's on a... Fast boat going the wrong direction and nothing good. Get him out of here. I think our hearts should be broken for people around us, people who are lost in sin. God wants to save them. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And your lost and my lost are no different than anybody else's lost. He loves us just as much. It's a little bit of a different morning, I get it. But I want you to understand that Jesus comes to meet our needs. And our need is not some great celebration. Our need is, is a lost heart. And we need someone who makes a way for us to get to God. And that's where Jesus meets us. God, I thank you for each person here today. Thank you for those who are watching us online. God, I pray that as we leave this place today, there's just so much emotion, even for me, to, to think about this, that, that people came and they worshipped you. They worshipped you. They, they threw their jackets down before you. They, they grabbed palm trees. Kids were running around. They're, they're, everybody's worshipping. They're worshipping. And, and through it all, they, they got lost in the fact that there's still a job to do. They got lost in that worship. And, So, Lord, there are times when we come before you and we worship, but there's still a job to do. You still have a message for that lost world around us. You're still calling out, fill the banquet hall, fill the banquet hall, fill the banquet hall. There's more tables. There's more food available. Bring friends. Go out and get friends. Don't just come by yourself. Bring somebody. Help us to see that there's a, a spiritual perspective behind all of this. Your word says that there's gonna come a day when when those who worship you, worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to understand that you've given us friendships and relationships and family to lead them to you, to dispense the message, to give them the good news. There's going to come a time when we get to walk in your presence, not because of anything we've done, but because of you and that price that you've paid. And we just thank you for that, God. We thank you for that. Remind us the task that's at hand this week and every week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Take a palm branch with you.
Bless someone. Have a great day.